Hi everyone, welcome back to Understand the Bible. In this Thought for the Week we're going to be looking at Psalm 10 and we're going to be thinking a bit more about God's justice but kind of focusing a bit more on an individual level. Uh, now just to remind you by the way that if you uh, like these these videos and it's on the podcast as well please you subscribe so you get them uh, regularly and it just helps to sort of support me as the uh, the podcast or as the uh, the YouTube channel or on Facebook uh, as well um, and just to let you know that there is a lot more on the understandthebible.uk website I'm currently writing a series all about get to know God which is looking at the different um, kind of aspects of God thinking about he's uh, all-powerful he's present everywhere he's you know eternal all of those kind of things just helping us to understand who God is and if that's something that you never really thought about then do have a look at that on the website understandthebible.uk and you can find it there so psalm 10 thinking about justice as usual i'm going to read the psalm and then we will spend a, a little while thinking about it so psalm 10 why lord do you stand far off why do you hide yourself in times of trouble in his arrogance the wicked man hunts down the weak who are caught in the schemes he devises he boasts about the cravings of his heart he blesses the greedy and reviles the lord in his pride the wicked man does not seek him. In all his thoughts there is no room for God. His ways are always prosperous. Your laws are rejected by him. He sneers at all his enemies. He says to himself, nothing will ever shake me. He swears, no one will ever do me harm. His mouth is full of lies and threats. Trouble and evil are under his tongue. He lies in wait near the villages. From ambush he murders the innocent. His eyes watch in secret for his victims. Like a lion in cover, he lies in wait. He lies in wait to catch the helpless. He catches the helpless and drags them off in his net. His victims are crushed. They collapse. They fall under his strength. He says to himself, God will never notice. He covers his face and never sees. Arise, Lord. Lift up your hand, O God. Do not forget the helpless. Why does the wicked man revile God? Why does he say to himself, he won't call me to account? But you, God, see the trouble of the afflicted. You consider their grief and take it in hand. The victims commit themselves to you. You are the helper of the fatherless. Break the arm of the wicked man. Call the evildoer to account for his wickedness that would not otherwise be found out. The Lord is king for ever and ever. The nations will perish from his land. You, Lord, hear the desire of the afflicted. You encourage them and you listen to their cry, defending the fatherless and the oppressed, so that mere earthly mortals will never again strike terror. Okay, so in the last psalm, in Psalm 9, we were thinking about justice and we began thinking about that and kind of we were looking at kind of social justice, I suppose in society. Now Psalm 10 is also on the theme of justice and if you saw the last one you remember that Psalms 9 and 10 most scholars think were originally part of sort of one psalm uh, together. So um, Psalm 10 though is a little bit different. It is talking about justice but it's looking at, uh, at justice on a more kind of specific level, looking at individuals who do evil rather than just kind of um, general injustice in, in society and in the world. So I thought rather than working our way through this kind of verse by verse or, or a bit at a time, 
what I, what I'm going to do in this um, in this thought for the week is actually take out a few bits. So we're going to start out looking at what what the wicked are like. So what what do the wicked do? What does the psalm say about the wicked? Um, the first thing that they do is they are they are arrogant. This is verse two. In his arrogance, the wicked man hunts down the weak. So the wicked they are the wicked. They are arrogant. They they hunt down the weak. They prey on those who are are weaker than they are, and and they boast about it. It, uh, it boasts about it. Verse three. He blesses the greedy and and reviles the Lord. So he he blesses those who are just like him, and he reviles God. And then in verses seven to ten, we have quite an extended description of what the wicked are like: full of a mouth full of lies and threats, trouble and evil. Um, he lies in wait. He ambushes the innocent. He watches in secret like a lion. He he, he lies in wait. He catches the helpless and drags them off in his net. And his victims are crushed, and they fall under his strength. So it doesn't sound like there's much advantage to him, other than just you know, having, you know, crushing people just because he enjoys it. Um, now, you and I might look at that and think, wow, that, that sounds pretty, pretty awful. Uh, and it is. But I was thinking about this and was thinking, you know, is this not just the way that the world is and the world works? Now, think about the films that you've seen, for example. Think about the number of times in films that a big powerful um, figure, it could be an organisation, it could be an individual, tramples on someone who is weaker and unable to defend themselves. That's such a common thing. You know, the, the first example that came to mind actually is that film um, Dodgeball. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but you know, where the big powerful Globo Gym wants to take over, um, you know, Vince Forms, I can't remember what the name of it is, but the Little Gym, haven't seen it in a few years. And the big powerful company wants to take over the kind of the local um, individual private um, gym. And that's just the way of the world, isn't it? It's the way that the world works. The rich and the powerful devour the weak and the poor. And, and that's how it is. That's, that's just the way that the world works. Well, what motivates this behaviour? What motivates the wicked? That's the second thing that we're going to look at. Well, in verse two, um, again, we've looked at uh, we've looked at arrogance. And in verse three and four, it talks about uh, the relationship with God. It says he reviles the Lord and it says in all his thoughts, there is no room for God. So the wicked man or the wicked person has no room for God in their life. They just don't don't consider the way that God would want them to live. And um, and even more than that, um, verse 11, it says, uh, he says to himself, God will never notice. He covers his face and never sees. Or verse 13, why does he say to himself, he won't call me to account? So the wicked man just doesn't have a relationship with God and doesn't think God really cares. Or even if he does care, he's not going to do anything. You know, it's like they look around at the world and see, ah, yeah, a lot of other people, this is the way that the world is. I might as well throw my lot in with the way that the world is, because clearly God doesn't care or, you know, 
if he if he um, if he cares, he doesn't really do anything um, because the wicked seem to be prospering. So I'm just going to join in with them, and I am going to to do evil as well, and I'm going to oppress the poor and the the needy for my own enjoyment and for my own benefit. That's how I'm going to to live my life. There's no accountability. They think the wicked think that they. Uh, will not be found out and that they will not be held accountable by any human being, definitely not by God. If you look in um, the way that th- this happens with leaders, for example, the way when leaders go wrong, when they go off the rails, usually if you look into it, it's because they have no accountability. It's because they just don't think that they're going to be caught out. They don't think they're doing wrong and they don't think that they're, they're going to get caught. There's no one to kind of put the brakes on to say, hold on a minute, do you think that's a good idea? And they just go off in a particular direction. And, you know, that yeah, there's no accountability. There's no transparency. And this is very often uh, the problem. When we don't think we're accountable to God in particular, that can lead us to do all sorts of, of bad things. Well, what... What should we do? How should we respond? How do we avoid going down this path? And I'm going to finish with three things, three lessons from from this passage, which the psalmist um, says, and it, it helps us to know how we should respond to injustice when, particularly when we're thinking about kind of either individuals or um, you know entities that are behaving in this kind of a way. How should we respond? The first thing is to be honest. This is what it says, verse one. Why, Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Now, if I asked you, have you ever prayed a prayer like that? What would you say? Have you ever prayed a prayer that says, why do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Because I think most, you know, the average person doesn't ever really think about praying a prayer like that, which is a shame because it's actually in the Bible. And one of the things that really helped me, I think, uh, with getting into the Psalms is just recognising that it is right to be honest with God. Now, we might as well be honest with God because God knows how we're feeling anyway. So we might as well take our our actual struggles, our actual the, the way that we actually feel to him. I think most people, when they pray, kind of say, well, I need to feel a certain way. I need to think a certain way. So I'll pretend to God like I think and feel these kind of ways. And, and that will, you know, that will be good. But actually, what the Psalms teach us is that we need to be honest. We need to take to God the way that we actually think and the way that we actually feel. And we can bring that to God rather than you know trying to pretend when we come to him that everything is all right. So we need to be honest with God. The second thing is that we need to remind ourselves of the truth. And you can see this in uh, verse five. Uh, his ways uh, are always prosperous. Your laws are rejected by him. So reminding uh, the psalmist reminds himself that God does have laws and that the wicked reject those laws. And then in verse 16, you, God, see the trouble of the afflicted. You consider their grief and take it in hand. So reminding himself that God is a God who cares, that who does care about those who are poor and downtrodden 
and afflicted. You know, God does care about justice. We need to remind ourselves of these truths. And it's the same thing in verses 16 and 17. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations will perish from his land. You, Lord, hear the desire of the afflicted. You encourage them and you listen to their cries. So so God is a God who is king and he listens. He cares about these things. He is righteous. So we remind ourselves of of who God is and what, what God is like. Why is that important? It's important to to remember that God is not pleased with oppression because that prevents us from going down that road ourselves. I read a statistic actually about about bullies in school. Apparently that most bullies in school will have been victims of bullying themselves when they were younger. And this is what happens, you know, that we we are oppressed ourselves. And then when we get into a position to be able to oppress others, then we go down that road, too. That's how this this kind of cycle continues. The world just continues in more oppression because people who who are oppressed become oppressors. That's how it works. You know, the, the people who are bullied become the bullies and it works like that in many areas of life. We remember that God is not pleased with oppression. And as we remember that, it will help us to 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 stop us going down that road ourselves when we we feel like we've been oppressed. And remember that God will bring them into judgment, even though at the moment it might not look like God is acting to remember that there will come a day when God will bring them into judgment and God will judge those who have who have oppressed. So that's something that, again, we should we should remind ourselves. And the third thing is that uh, we need to ask God to act. So uh, you can see this in verses 12. Arise, Lord, lift up your hand. Do not forget the helpless. Then verse 15, break the arm of the wicked man. Call the evildoer to account for his wickedness that would not otherwise be found out. So, um, you know, break the arm of the wicked man, you know, stop him doing these wicked things. That's you know, obviously we, we act with our arm and it's kind of not saying literally break the arm, but, but stop him being able to do these things. So rather than taking the law into our own hands and rather than the psalmist taking the law into his own hands, he asks God to act. And that is something which, again, is an important biblical principle especially a a principle in the psalms which is not taking the law into our own hands but rather trusting God to deal with people who are acting unjustly and people who are oppressing others you know we entrust the judgment of these things to God because we know that he is a God who cares even if things don't look like that we know that he's a God who cares and we know that one day he will bring all things into judgment. Ultimately, it is only through Jesus Christ that we can find forgiveness. And I'm sure all of us have been, you know, maybe we feel like we've been oppressed, but we've also been the oppressor at times. And uh, I'm sure that's true for just about everyone. And we all need to come to Christ for forgiveness. So this is remembering as a final thing that, you know, we need forgiveness too. And it's very easy, I think, to to look at other people and say, ah, you know, God punish him, God punish her, you know, and just point the finger at others. But we know that we need forgiveness, too, and that the only way at the end of the day 
where righteousness and justice is done is actually at the cross where uh, we need to be forgiven and uh, Jesus was punished in our place for the things that we've done wrong. So that's the, the final thing to remember. I hope this has been helpful in thinking about injustice. This is something which I think uh, I think this kind of makes sense more as you go through life and as you see injustice happening. Now, you look around at the world and see there's so much wrong with the world. Um, you know, how can God let these things happen? And this, this Psalm 10 and other Psalms like this, it gives us words to pray. And it's something which we don't focus much, uh, very much on, but it's really important nonetheless. You know, we want to care about justice, but we want to have the right ways of doing that. And Psalm 10 is a great, a great start. So let's take a moment as we close um, to pray and ask God to help us. Now, Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a God of justice, even though sometimes it looks like the wicked are winning and getting away with it. We thank you, Lord, that you are a God who cares and you are a God of justice. We pray that you would help us to learn these lessons from, from Psalm 10 to be able to uh, entrust things to you. And we pray that you would help us to be people who seek your forgiveness for the times when we have uh, oppressed others. And we pray that you would help us uh, to come to you every day to pray for you to act, not to take the law into our own hands, but to entrust to you. So please help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks very much for joining me for this session, everyone. Um, just a little reminder again, understandthebible.uk, the website, including the Get to, New, New, um, Get to Know God series. And um, do click the subscribe button or the like button or whatever it is that you're doing just to get these uh, every, every week. So thanks very much. And I hope to see you again for another session very soon. Uh, until then, God bless.